Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 228. John and Wendy talk to Jenny Cody Kangas. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How you doing, John? Wendy, I'm well. Can you believe it's July already? It just keeps going. It just keeps going and going and going. And uh, next weekend will be my first weekend off in about three weeks with Girl Scout stuff and all sorts of craziness. So kind of looking forward to it. Well, speaking of craziness, we are basking in the afterglow of our fifth anniversary chat. So this is coming out a little bit after that. We wanted to take a moment, though, because it is our show and we have the opportunity to do it, (laughs) to thank everyone once again who took part, who stopped by to say hello. It was awesome. It really was. A lot of familiar faces that we had not Mm -hmm. seen in a while, which is always great. I think it was... Oh, is Bonnie Natko brought up who I've not talked to Bonnie in forever. Bonnie brought up something that reminded me. She, she brought up OMC chat and then T chat came up. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, Talk yeah. about, yeah, just good times way back or way back. <laughs> it's nice to have those memories. It's nice to think about those things. Next yeah. chat obviously was a, a big topic of Huge conversation. Thank you, Mary Kaler for, connecting us and so many other great right? people in that way. Really appreciate, like I said, everybody that took part. Even even if you popped in later, it's cool. We know there's a lot going on and we were right. up against the big HR conference. And so we knew we knew it was going to be a challenge. Those that were available were more than available. Just tremendous fun. And thank you again to all that, that took part. Yeah. Oh, it, it was so awesome to see the familiar faces. Um, yeah, Mary Kaler got a nice shout out there during the during the chat. And uh, again, just seeing folks who we haven't seen in a while and folks we see at every chat. Love to see them, too. Um, and then again, Monday morning um, after the chat. Francisco was there and Nikki was there um, bringing it up for a Monday morning um, repeat. So I always love to be able to catch up with them when they jump on Monday. I guess it's Monday lunchtime for them um, when I'm getting up and we're all on at the same time. So yes, thank you to everyone who showed up. Happy anniversary, John. Five years. We say it all the time. Never would have thought we'd still be doing it five years later. I, I do have to say, I so much appreciated your blog post about the chat beforehand. And there was the picture of us from D.C. And you wrote oh. about our youngish, being youngish or however you framed it. Uh, I appreciate that very much because at the time just seems like a blur now, doesn't it? Sometimes it does. It does. And it was, yeah, it was fun to, to find, you know, I went looking for it because I'm like, I know that picture exists. I got to go find it and use it because that was just, just such a special time for us to um, be able to connect. And who would have thought chance meeting in the elevator, <laughs> my third favorite meet story. How about that? <laughs> what can we say? Everybody delivered, everybody yes. showed up, took part and, We'll see you at the next one because we're going to keep going. If if you have topics of conversation that you'd like to help us lead, shoot us a note or Mm -hmm. contact us in some way. Let us know. We'd like to do that too. Yeah. Wendy, I'm excited about tonight's guest. I've heard so much about her from you. I've seen her out and about in other places. Finally getting a chance to meet in person, which is always a pleasure. Let's make the introduction and get started. 
Yes, I am so excited to uh, welcome Jenny to the show. Uh, fun fact, she was actually going to be on the Unleash episode with uh, with Nikki and I. We were unable to make the timing work, so we just said we'll have her on her own show and it all will work out. Jenny combines HR tech marketing expertise with HR practitioner experience. She is a catalyst and that's what Plum needs to move from being the best kept secret in HR to the most impactful change agent, which she will do now as the Vice President of Marketing for Plum. She also serves as an advisor to HR.com and Paradox. Before this, she was the Director of Digital Experience Talent Acquisition at the Regis Corporation. Jenny, welcome to the show. We're super pumped to have you. First question, what is in your glass? Um, So I have kombucha in my glass Ah. that was from WeWork because today I was downtown for work and ended up officing from WeWork downtown Minneapolis and they have kombucha on tap there. And so before I left, I was like, I'm grabbing some because it's so good. And so I have kombucha in my Nespresso cup, which I'm holding up right now, which you guys can't see because you're probably just listening to this for audio wise, but I'm drinking kombucha. (laughs) Jenny, you're the second kombucha drinker in the last, what, month? I think Ben Travis yeah, Ben, ben, ben talked about it. He brews his own or makes, I don't know, does it brew it? I don't know exactly how you make kombucha. I assume no. <laughs> somehow somehow he concocts it or has concocted it in the past. That is really impressive. Ben, I give you the most, most incredible props. Um, I am just a consumer of, a, uh, of kombucha. <laughs> I am not a creator of kombucha. And so, like, bravo, my friend. That's awesome. Jenny, I'm always curious when we have someone on the show, particularly those that I've not had a chance to talk to very much. How exactly did you get your start in human resources? Well, that's a fun story. Um, So, gosh, originally, and I will preface this by saying there's going to be an explanation on why this is a little uh, different uh, now. But uh, back originally, I was a project resource. Um, So back in the day, I graduated school in 2009. I ended up going into contracting uh, because it's the only kind of jobs that were really available at the time. I found that I loved it because I could learn something new and became known as the person that you called when you didn't have somebody to put forward for a rec because I could figure it out. And so one day I got a call from Panera Bread who needed somebody to figure out what they were doing wrong with staffing, like hourly staffing. And uh, my response to that call was, "Uh, yeah, you guys, I don't know much about recruiting, but I know that I'm not the person to call when you have this question because I don't come from HR recruiting. The lead at the time was like, that's why we need you. We need somebody who's a project manager to figure out what we're doing wrong so we can get it right. I went in, project management methodology, unpack what the problem is, figure out what what the needs are, go back and rebuild. Ended up rebuilding their employer brand, which I didn't even know what it was at the time. I just looked at what Taco Bell was doing and how they were, how we were losing talent to them and saw that like their messaging and the storytelling that was there was actually there where it wasn't for Panera. And so I went and built different resources um, and got done with that uh, year-long engagement and was like, gosh, there's a lot of white space when it comes to change in HR. I don't know if this is just like a one-time thing, but I want to learn more. And so I strategically picked my next kind of contract role was as an HR generalist um, because I, w- I looked at kind of everything going on and thought, okay, there's a SHRM competency. I need to understand all these different components. What's the best way to do that? Doing that as a contractor and like as a generalist, I figured this is a way that I can round that all out. 
that's kind of how I first got my start in HR. I was in the space. My uh, broker at the time, um, I had gone to her and said, I want to network, but I haven't always done like well with like other, like I'm a little nervous about networking in, in HR. You know, what do you, what, what networking groups do you recommend? And she said, I recommend learn. She's like, I have a feeling you can understand this tech side of, of HR. And so she turned me on to learn, which is L E H R N here in the twin cities. Um, Jason Averbook has since purchased Leap Gen has since purchased that networking group and turned it into something different, but it was a group of people first HR tech leaders that met twice a month, one social, one learning kind of piece. And that was my first kind of really step into it. I saw Jason Averbook and yeah, I saw Jason speak and he talked about like this frictionless experience when it came to, um, to HR and how, you know, when you've got like Amazon, for example, you've got hundreds of different like, uh, systems in the back end that are going, but you never feel that as a user when they've replaced one and replaced it with another. And then I saw Stacey Harris, who's phenomenal at storytelling with data. And I was like, this is the space I want to be into. And so I kind of started digging into the HR tech space. And then uh, Wendy knows this part of my story. Uh, then I hit my head and that was in March of 2020 and I got all of the memory wiped. And so when I came back into this, like John's face, uh, when I came back into this space, I had a very unique beginner's mindset because I didn't have a rear view mirror. And the timing of that, John, ended up being really helpful because turns out anything that was done before 2020 wasn't really applicable because it didn't work. And so not having that design bias for how we did talent acquisition actually helped me get it right. I think it's awesome just having that you know, essentially that mind wipe is just so fascinating. Talk about that, that piece of talent acquisition, because we do spend so much time looking backwards. Talent acquisition is very reactionary for the most part. And so trying to get to be more proactive and, and how do we do things better moving forward? Talk about how that kind of helped you. And then how, what are we looking at next? What's, what what do we need to be watching for that next thing in, in TA that we need to be prepared for? Coming back into the talent acquisition space, post-head injury, again, I didn't have my rearview mirror to be able to tell me what was going on. And so in order to help me get it right, I dug into user experience research and UX and UI rooms through the lens of Clubhouse, uh, because at the time that was really big. And that allowed me to be in the room with some of the best minds in the space when it came to like the UX, UI world. So um and like, at first I would just listen as being a fly in the wall. And then I would eventually go, I got confidence to go up on stage for these things. And I would ask them three different questions, really. They kind of like narrowed down to three different buckets. One of the questions that I would always ask is what, are the, what is the question that you asked to get it right? And so what I was doing with that is trying to figure out because questions are pickaxe to figure out what's actually going on. Like what's, do you have a diamond? Do you have a ruby? Like what is the stone that's there? It helps us really to uncover that thing. Um, then I would ask if you were able to go back to your junior self, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give yourself? So that was that like rearview mirror kind of looking back, you know, how would you help yourself get it right? Knowing what you know now. And the third was if somebody came alongside of you and was brand new to the space and really wanted to get it right, what content or training would you put in their path to help them do that? 
again, the first question was putting tools in my tool belt to help me define what the problem was, which is really important because you have to know what the problem is um, in order to build the right solution. Uh, the second was helping me, again, that rearview mirror of like, how can I fail forward from what some of these other people have learned before? And there was a very consistent piece with the answers that I got with number two, and that was surrounding change. And it didn't matter if the person was from Facebook or Google or like, or gosh, Twitter or like whatever company, huge company that this was, they all tended to hit on the fact that change is hard and getting change right. They wish they would have known out of the gates that it was, it was so hard to do. And then the third, like the content, there were also some, some, I guess, repeated answers that I got. Um, a lot of the books you will see behind me because it's what I use, <laughs> like how I rebuilt my own foundation. So a number of different books on change management, but a lot of books actually um, centered from the Stanford's D school. So the human centered design school that Stanford has um, a lot of people had been some of these like top minds in the space had some sort of connection to the teachings of, of Stanford's D school. So what should we be looking for next? So I I probably should go back and finish that thought. So that was the first part of like how I went into it. Then I took a, when I looked back at like the different project management methodologies that existed, I was able to um, find piece where like I connected with one in particular, which came from the UK and it's a double diamond model of design. And so in the left diamond, you um, design the right thing. So that's making sure that you're unpacking the situation to see what's there. Then when you transition to the right diamond, which is design that thing right, you're building the right solution. I used that model when I started at Regis um, as a program manager to try to unpack what was going on and really came to find out that when I went through that full discovery process of unpacking the problem, while there was, yes, broken technology, which is why I was hired to start there in the first place, there was a much bigger issue. We weren't calibrating the importance of talent acquisition in the hair industry. If you don't get that right, you don't have a hairstylist to cut your hair, right? So it's not just a problem, it is directly tied to revenue um, for franchisees. And so that led me to make a business case to be able to find a different solution to be able to help us get that right. I went through an RFI, RFP process, ended up there wasn't technology that could do what we needed to do because we had 60 plus brands at the time. And most of these systems are built for like one or two brands. And so I sold us to Paradox. We ended up co-creating technology with them, which has been really, really cool. What are we looking for? So that was kind of like the history of like that that reset part. What I found, Wendy, was every time there would there would be these moments, and I apologize, there's a small horse that's growling in the background. <laughs> English Mastiff Charlie, who is a year and a half old and 115 pounds, is very oh. easy right now. I came across a number of situations where the situation seemed very like basic and it seemed like the answer was very clear. So it would be like, for example, two plus two equals four. And what would happen in the HR space, specifically in talent acquisition, was the answer I would get, it didn't matter if it was vendor, it didn't matter if it was practitioner, it would be, no, it's six. And I was like, what's going on here? I was talking to a mentor of mine one day and he kind of hit a, an aha moment. He said, oh my gosh, when you hit your head, you lost your design bias. And I didn't even realize what that term was, but he went on to explain that when you're going to build solutions, you typically use the model for what you've experienced in the past as the model for like what you go into with that solution. 
And it can also create a bias for how you do things. And so in talent acquisition, that might be, oh, we only get our people from Indeed or we can't do a referral program, right? Like, so your rear view mirror dictates what you can do in the future. And, um, and yeah, I'm all over the place this evening, Wendy. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think you're kind of hitting on, on some really great things there because a lot of times when you get the shiny new software, you're like, well, just tell us what it can do. And you tell us, vendor, you tell us what we need rather than looking at what is our problem what are we trying to solve for and using the software to do that as opposed to, well, this is shiny and new. Let's just plug it in. And every HR professional, not just TA has gone down that road. And I mean, I've had conversations with, with vendors and I'm just like, why aren't you talking to recruiters and asking them, what are you putting on that Excel spreadsheet that you haven't told your manager that you have, because you have it. Every recruiter I know has one regardless of the tools that you give them because they don't trust those tools to do what they need it to do. So we're not getting into that nitty gritty of what, what is the problem? What are we trying to solve by buying this shiny new software? So I, I think you're getting there. Yeah. What, what is the software trying to solve? I know like we were both at Unleash Wendy, which was amazing. Yeah. And I had the pleasure of sitting next to Keith Sunderling, the EEOC commissioner um, at dinner and uh, <laughs> talked for a couple hours. Like it was awesome. And I like, for those of you who don't know, Keith Sunderling is incredible. He's the EEOC commissioner. The EEOC is doing things differently. Historically, they would follow reactive measures in terms of what to do, like, and how to build right. kind of solutions. Keith and his team realized like, that's the wrong way to do it. And if we want to get it right, we've got to go to the practitioners and help them kind of like, let's meet and raise them and help put guardrails in their place so that they can get this right. When we're talking about AI, for example, AI is a buzzword. First off, a lot of people don't understand what AI means. And there's a lot of different types of AI. But ultimately, if you are buying something with AI, HR practitioner, and you do not know what it does or how that vendor is making sure that it is staying non-biased when like different things change, you are opening yourself up to a ton of risk. And so a lot of the legislation that's coming out right now is is trying to help HR to develop what's your strategy for success? Like, how does how does the AI fit into that strategy versus like is the answer right? Because ultimately what this comes down to is we look at tech as being the answer to the equation. That's not how it works. You're building your equation. So there's different variables that are going to lead you to equal success. And tech is one of the components of that but it's not, the it's not the answer, right? Like, so it's a different part of the equation, but a lot of the times we don't know how to build the equation. And so then we end up kind of anchoring back to like, what's a little, I mean, it's it's scary to not know things that you don't know. And if you don't know how to go in and build that out, like, where do you start? And I guess I'm probably a good use case because I've had to relearn everything. I can tell you that you can do it. Jenny, we mentioned in your in your bio that you're now with Plum. And you're leading the marketing effort there, not just TA, leading the entire marketing charge. Talk a little bit about how, with your experience and with the reset as you've had, how has that prepared you now for this new role? Probably important to note, I have despised assessments my entire career, even before my head injury, but I have always been incredibly against assessments. And the reason for that, John, is often assessments are built for the neurotypical. They're not built for the neurodiverse. And I have ADHD. So even before I had my head injury, I wasn't that typical, like, you know, check of the box. 
And as a result, like when I look, went through and did assessments, I would always ask like, hold on a second, this isn't right. Then Plum comes along. It's kind of a funny story, but like eventually I got into this conversation with their CEO and Jason Putnam, who used to be at Panda Logic. I was like, so here's, here's the deal. I like Jason's great. I would love to go work for him, but I'm not going to work for an assessment platform because assessments aren't made for somebody like me. And Caitlin challenged me very firmly. And she's like, this one was built for you. That's why we built it in the first place. Give it a chance. So I did what I came to find. I mean, I went through and took this assessment and I was trying to like gamify it the whole time I was taking it. I got the results and it, I perfectly saw myself reflected in the data. And so then I wanted to know more about like, how did this actually happen? Dug into that a little bit more, but I also got confirmation. So one of the cool things that Plum does is it looks at soft skills, not hard skills. So it's kind of like money ball for recruiting. Um, so how do you build the team with the people at the back end? What I was able to get was confirmation that like I had a 91% match to this role. So not only was it something that I could do, but I had a 91% data match to the fact that this would be something that I would not only survive in, but thrive in. It was, it was a role that was made for me. When I look at it, I've dug in since I've heard a lot more. Plum was universally designed. That's why they were able to get, get the tech right to be able to fit everybody else. So uh, Plum's founders had come from the educational world, like specifically with how to use psychometric assessments to like from an IEP standpoint to figure out how do you build solutions for people who don't fit the box. So um, Neil, who is one of the founders of Plum, um, had a learning disability and school didn't work for him. And he was part of this like landmark study in Canada to look at like, how do we better support students? They ended up using the data to inform how to support these kids. But then there was a problem with that data it wasn't consumable. And if it wasn't consumable, you couldn't actually action on it. And so when they went to go build their teams, they were like, can we use the same use case that we use in, you know, with kids with IEPs to dig into the work world to figure out like who's the right person? And they came into like meeting industrial organizational psychology, but then again found similar issues where the data wasn't consumable. And it also wasn't built the right way. So having had the rearview mirror of like, here are how all these different people like learn. And here is how all these people, like different types of people like experience work and like school and life. They were able to universally design um, an assessment that helped to harness, what do you as a candidate need to not only survive, but thrive and work? And then developed a match criteria on the flip side for employers to walk through almost a pre-mortem of what's the, the thing that you're looking for with that person. And again, it's it's not so, it's soft skills, it's not hard skills. It's created something pretty magical. And so again, one of the things post head injury for me is I can connect the dots in ways that other people can't. So when I see a situation, I look at it and I'm like, ooh, that, this, there, that. With this one, I was joking with Wendy before we, we hit record. I'm kind of like Dr. Strange. Um, so if anybody like is a Marvel person, like I run through a ton of different models in my head all the time. And then I will like land on that, that right one. The great thing with Plum, the model that I go through when I run through my head, it's that right thing, right? Like of how you actually can get talent acquisition right, how you can get talent management right how you can get talent pipelining right of being able to go after different groups of diverse talent. And one of the incredible things about 
universal design is when you build your systems and processes in a way that is universally designed, the result of that design is diversity. It's not going at something looking for diversity. It's building the right process, which yields diversity. And so all of this, plus the change management background and the storytelling piece, I can connect the dots, but then I can also reverse engineer to be able to help tell the story of why that's the thing. And that's what I'm super excited about at Plum. Well, one of the things, Jenny, that we have done to kind of lighten our load um, is we've started outsourcing one of our questions. So previous guest, Rachel Taculad, asks, what is your biggest win? Well, I mean, I got talent acquisition from taken off the table to put back on the table. And I got my C-suites bonuses tied to that metric to ensure that it was actually successful at 25%. And that cascaded down to like directors and lower. Um, so I think that was a pretty big win because like normally people are like, oh yeah, talent acquisition is important. And I was able to not only do that, but like if it's important, it's tied to your bonus, you know, with the, the leadership team. That was probably a, a good win. Yeah. Awesome. Love that. It is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the half hour question connection. We know no one dreams of having an HR career when they're a child. So we want to know what career did you dream of having when you were a child? I wanted to be a hairstylist, actually. And this was told to me like in the Ruby mirror, because again, I have no memories from before I had right. my head. But I was asking one of my family members about this. And it turns out I wanted to be a hairstylist so badly. And my father, uh, who been law firms at the time, was like, that's cute. You can go to hair, like to hair school, but you got to get your business degree first. And then you can go back and do it. And so I ended up going and getting my business degree so that I could go and like cut and style hair um, and ended up never going back into hair. But then I just worked in the hair industry, like in my last role, which was like, (laughs) I was able to solve the business problems to help the stylist be able to get in the right seat of the bus. Uh, So, so yes. Jenny, who's one person you've gained your network in the last year that you think more people should know? Patrick Hodgson. And he is the VP of marketing now at Factory Fix. He is also uh, the person who taught me how to tell a story. So many moons ago, we were at a Twin City startup event and he had kind of looked at it. He was like, you're sharp, but if you learn how to tell a story, you'll become unstoppable because stories are the vehicles that you need in order to get by in and to move things forward. And so he paused and he taught me how to tell a story. And, uh, Patrick, which I think, Wendy, you may have met at Unleash, uh, he just joined our industry, which is really exciting. He's at Germ right now. Um, but I would say Patrick is 100% somebody that people in HR should know. He is somebody who does not play chess or checkers. He plays Battleship. It's pretty cool. This is probably a little bit um, more interesting now with your after your injury. But if you could go back to the start of your career, what is one piece of advice you would give yourself based on what you know now? So if I could go back to my two-year-old, like, two years ago to my restart <laughs> of my career, I would have told myself two things. Uh, the first is change is really freaking hard. It's really, really hard. And getting that right is really tough. It's not your job to know the right answer. It's your job to get the entire collective group to the goal, right? So it's very different. And that like takes, you got to be the neck that turns ahead. You can't be the iron fist. I would also tell myself, that Michael Jordan is not just the uh, actor from Space Jam 1, but he's actually <laughs> the other day, my other half had asked like, oh, you know who Michael Jordan is, right? It was like, I know this one. 
I know this one. He's like, awesome. Who is he? And I was like, he is the character in the first Space Jam movie. And uh, <laughs> he looks at me and he's like, yeah, you're not wrong, but he's a sports person. Like, do you know what sport he played? I go, absolutely no idea. He goes, okay. Like, so we go back and we start watching videos of Michael Jordan because he's like taking me through the history of Michael Jordan. We get to one very iconic dunk. My response is, hey, it looks like the Nike symbol. <laughs> and Andrew, God bless him, he's so patient. Goes, you're right, honey. Uh, where where have you seen that Nike symbol before? I was like, oh, I'm a shoes. He goes, what are those called? And I go, Jordan's. <gasps> oh, it's not the designer, is it? He's like, nope, that's not the designer. It's the person inspired of. Uh, so there's been some some silly things like that that... Like, you don't know what you don't know when you have an injury. And uh, I think that's probably the one I felt the silliest at. But it's also, you know, what I found is it gives an opportunity for people to just pause. And like, yeah, so those are the things. How do you enjoy giving back to your community, Jenny? In my last two years, I've had to take the 8,000 piece Lego sets and like turn them into Duplos and put them back together in the way that like I needed to in order to learn. I like to be able to help my peers and other people do that same thing because some of these concepts like change management Mm -hmm. and uh, storytelling and things like that, they're an elusive 15,000 piece like Lego set. And at the end of the day, it's really hard to unpack and figure out how to do that. And so you need Duplos. I don't think we do a very good job in HR at like making things consumable so that people can understand them. If there is ever an opportunity, I love to be able to connect those dots, whether it's for my team um, or, you know, an HR leader in the space just to come alongside them to, you know, teach them how to build that strategy or tell a story with numbers and things like that. Because it's the things that we don't teach that we really need to get better at pausing and helping to educate one another on because at the end of the day, like, that's how we get it right. Like, if we just assume that nobody else knows what, what that means, I think that's one of the big things that I've realized a lot of people will say that they they won't pause to ask questions when they don't understand something um, when we probably should. And so I like to be able to pause and just make sure everybody's there. Jenny, what's your favorite movie? Moneyball. Because it's, it's such an important kind of just visual for all things, right? Like you're not looking for the best pitcher or the best first base player. Like you're looking at like a solution that's going to solve a problem. And so it's all these different components that have to come together to do that. And if we have a bias for how that's going to be solved, typically we're going to get it wrong. And so I think there's so many aspects in the movie Moneyball that like help tell the story of, for example, like you need the data guy, right? Which is like, you know, one of the people is more like a data person. And then you've got like Brad Pitt, who's that, you know, like that main person who's like, coming alongside of that data person to storytell. And so like you need both. And you also need that leader that's going to be like, I'm coming behind you with something, right? Like, and if you want to change the game, like you have to turn your back to the crowd. Um, I would say Moneyball, fast second would be uh, the newest Top Gun movie because it was so freaking good. This may be a little bit more challenging because if we're looking at a two-year period, Jenny, your favorite live performance that you've attended so like the live performances of like, there's not a lot of live performances that I've seen. However, I did see my first concert that I saw was Billie Eilish. I took Jess Von Bang's daughter uh, as well. It was really fun. And my daughter, 
And it was my first concert ever in the last, well, again, last two years, because I have to experience it. Know who Billie Eilish was going into that? I had to ask one of the girls at my daughter's daycare, like, is Billie (laughs) Eilish a singer? And she looked at me like I was crazy. And then her coworker was like, she has a head injury. She goes, oh, yeah, uh, yes, uh, Billie Eilish is a singer. I was like, is Billie Eilish appropriate for a 14-year-old girl? And she's like, actually, she's very appropriate for a 14-year-old girl. And so then I was like, I responded to Joss and I was like, yep, we'll take the tickets. I was like, let's do it. But one of the cool things about that concert was Billie Eilish did a guided meditation halfway through the concert, the entire like Excel Energy Center. Uh, And she did it a couple different times where she was just like, she paused and made sure everybody had psychological safety and was like grounded and able to reflect on where they were at. And just able to be present in the moment. That was incredible. Like, absolutely <laughs> incredible. I also probably learned that that's probably the first and last concert I'll ever go to because the whole concept of like going to a concert to listen to music, but then everybody around you is actually just singing super, super loud. So you can't hear the person. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. So, uh, yeah. Jenny, if you could be on any TV show, either as yourself or as a character, what would it be? I was asked recently, like, what would you, if you could be any, like, like TV star, who would you be? Mm-hmm. And it's a slightly different question, but my answer was Ellen. Um, okay. Because I'd want to be the person to, to ask the sharp questions to, like, figure out, I don't know, just to be the storyteller that was asking the questions. And I thought that was pretty cool. Well, recently it was announced it's going to be Jenny Day all around the world. What are we doing to celebrate? You're not going to fall and hit your head because that would be a really bad thing. Um, But I think adopting a beginner's mindset for the day. And so going into situations where you don't think you have the answer and pretending just like you would be me, like after I hit my head, what is it? Like what's going on? And there's so many different things that you're able to just see differently. I mean, for example, did you know that soccer counts up? Every other sport counts down, but soccer counts up. Then you get into these like magical periods where like only the referees or the umpires or whatever they're called have like the number that's left, but nobody else knows it. Like, so there's so many different rules where you don't think about them unless you've got like, I don't know, a head injury, but you don't need a head injury to like look at it from a blank slate. And so I would say that would be the thing that we would do on Jenny Day. All right. Well, finally, Jenny, as you know, we are outsourcing some of our work. So if you could ask the next guest of the podcast any question, what would it be? What question do you think that we don't ask in HR that we should? Oh, I like that. Questions are your pickaxe. That's how you figure out what's going on. (laughs) Just being able to pause and like, what aren't we asking that we should be asking to especially some of your listeners, because there's some brilliant minds that you guys talk to. Like I would, I would love to be able to go back and, uh, also, are you guys going to like crowdsource these and like go back to your former people and have them answer? Because that'd be a really cool book and I would 100% buy it. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> Jenny, your question is now in the book. It will be asked very soon. I appreciate you making time. Mm-hmm. Fascinating story that Wendy did not share the, your entire story <laughs> with me. So I, I, just I appreciate me. learning on the fly. That's <laughs> one of the beauties of doing this. I know many of our listeners are probably not connected with you and they're going to want to now. What's the best way for them to reach you out there? Add me on LinkedIn. Send a, what is it, the personalized message when you go to reach out on LinkedIn. 
but also know that like I am terrible at responding to my LinkedIn messages. So <laughs> do not take it personally. Uh, but yeah, LinkedIn would probably be the way to go. I wish Clubhouse was more of a thing because I miss Clubhouse because it was always nice to have conversations with people, but it would be LinkedIn. We'll have that in the show notes. And then Wendy, how about you? Best way for listeners to reach you out there. Uh, best way is always on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. And of course, the second and fourth Sunday of each month, 7 p.m. Eastern time, you'll find me on Twitter as part of our twice monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? JohnThurman.com for all things John Thurman and for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen, rate, review, share, and follow whatever platform you're on. Click the check mark box, follow button. I don't know. They're all different. Find that follow, subscribe, and each and every week you'll get a new episode. International listeners, we'd love to talk to you about marketing, talent acquisition, whatever you have going on in your world, but it's easier for you to get in touch with us than it is for us to get in touch with you. So reach out and let's start those conversations. Jenny, again, really appreciate you making time and being with us. And so for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect, give back, and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. 